Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Hey, how many of you are glad that in a world with filled with empty promises, we have a God whose promises are sure, that He will never leave us, forsake us, and that He will always come through with what He's promised in His Word. Do you believe that, church family? Come on, let's give another shout of praise to our God all campuses. And let me pray for us before we begin. My Lord, we are gathered here today, oh God. Father, your children are here not only to fellowship, Lord, to sing songs of praise, but Father, ultimately to hear from you. So Father, Lord, we ask, Lord, for your grace to be shown upon us, Lord. Give us the ability to, to understand your word. And Father, help us now also to not only hear it, but Lord, let us receive it deep in our hearts so it can penetrate every corner of our being we can stand firm in your promises, Lord. God, we love you so much, and we thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray, and all of God's people say, amen. amen. Hey, let's give another shout of praise to our God. That is always a great day to worship God, right? My name is Zomar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at CF. Uh, and if it's your first time right now watching online or at one of our campuses, uh, it's, a, it's a great time to join us, even though it's midsummer. Um, and we have been going through a series called Romans chapter 8. It's a verse-by-verse -verse study on what many consider the greatest chapter in the Bible. And you know, last week we learned from God's Word how in the moments of, mo of our most profound weakness and suffering, God gives us a spirit, right, to strengthen us, to guide us, but folks, to intercede for us in those moments of suffering and weakness. But today we're going to be looking at those moments in our lives where we're anxious, when fear overwhelms our heart. Listen, God has given us a very special promise for us in those moments. In fact, I've entitled this message, A Great Promise for Anxious Hearts. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It's a very famous passage in God's Word, but I think we're going to learn a lot today as we dive into God's Word. So you can follow along with me as I read. Listen to what it says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what? Good. At all campus for what? Good. Yeah, for good for those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, as we go through life and we suffer setbacks, things that are unexpected that we wish would have, wouldn't have happened, listen, God is promising us that it's going to work out for our best. Amen? Amen? That is God's word. You can go ahead and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, ever since I was a young boy, I've been an avid Heat fan. In fact, how many Heat fans do we have in the house? 
Yeah, oh, we got a lot of Heath fans here. Way more than a nine o'clock service. But folks, one of the best times to be a Heath fan has to be when they signed the big three, right? Yeah, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, right? And folks, when they were introduced, listen, they made some big promises, right? Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, right? Many, multiple championships. So the expectations were sky high. And folks, every time the Heat went to the finals, folks, my eyes were glued on that television, just like I'm sure many of you were as well. But there was no NBA Finals game that had me on the edge of my seat like game six of the 2013 championships. Yeah, and that was when the big three of Miami were duking it out with the four future Hall of Famers of the San Antonio Spurs. Now follow me here. Because in this series, the Heat were down 3-2 and they were facing elimination. So if they lost this game, all those promises were gone, right? This was a big, big game. And folks, I remember watching it at my grandmother's home. Yeah, I had two buddies of mine. We were just watching, and folks, the game was intense. There were 10 ties throughout the game and eight different lead changes. And family, I remember that throughout the game, I was so anxious. You know, whenever the Heat were ahead, I was cheering, but boy, I was anxious because I didn't want nothing to go wrong. I didn't want the, 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 the Spurs to catch up to them. And folks, when they were down, listen, I was down about it, but I was also anxious thinking, you know what? I don't think we can catch up to these San Antonio Spurs. Now folks, stay with me here because as the heat entered into the fourth quarter, listen, they were down 10 points. Yeah, 10 points. And they were facing a really tough team. And so they enter the fourth quarter and they're playing. And little by little, the Heat are making some gains, but it doesn't look enough. And folks, with 19 seconds left on facing elimination, took, they grab the ball, they go down the court, and one of the most historic NBA moments in history took place. In fact, take a look. Should the Spurs foul? Miami go for the three right away. Just attack the basket. James catches, puts up the three. Won't go. Rebound, Bosch. Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Spurs do not have a timeout. But the officials are going to review to see if Allen was behind the line. with the huge offensive rebound. And now instant replay, enormous. And Mike, Tim Duncan out of the game leads to the second shot and clearly a three-point shot. They confirmed that it was a three. And the Spurs had a chance to talk this over. All right. How many guys remember that game? Yeah. And folks, so what happened there, right, they tied the game, they went into overtime, they end up winning that game. They go to game seven, and they brought home a championship, right? And folks, you know, as I reflect back on that game six, here's what I began to realize. That if I knew 
from the start of the game that the Heat were going to win. If I knew that with certainty, folks, I would not have been anxious throughout the game. Why? Because I knew that every missed shot, every missed pass, every turnover, listen, it didn't matter because it was leading to a Heat's win. So you know what? If, if that was the case, I would have just sat back and marveled how everything did turn out for the good of the Heat. But folks, the reason I was so anxious throughout the game is because I didn't know whether things were going to turn out for the good of the Heat, right? I didn't know whether every single missed pass, every steal, every turnover, every missed shot was leading to a Heat win. And so what happens throughout the game, because I didn't know whether or not it was going to turn out for good, my heart was filled with anxiousness. And folks, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today because what an image of how many people live their life. And by that I mean that just like I was watching that heat game and I was anxious because I didn't know if things were really going to turn out for the good of the heat just like that. And here's the main idea for today as we dive into God's Word. So many Christians, so many children of God live Live anxious lives. And every time there is a setback in their life, something doesn't go the way that is planned, anxiousness and fear starts to flood their heart. Why? Because they are not sure if this is going to turn out for good. See, the moment that you get noticed that you are let go from a job, fear and anxiety fills your heart. The moment there's an issue with a vendor, fear fills your heart. The moment there's a problem with your child's school, fear, anxiousness fills your heart. The moment you're heading to that job interview that you need and that flat tire happens, anxiousness, fears fills your heart. In fact, what right now, you're here at church, you're watching online, what's filling your heart with anxiousness? What's causing you to be anxious? Honestly, what thing is causing you to be anxious at this very moment? Listen, what if God had a promise that can take all that anxiety away from you, all of that fear away from your heart, What if God had a promise like that? And you're probably sitting, Omar, what is that promise? I'm anxious. I I need to know when those moments, what is that promise? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from Romans chapter 8, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You can follow along in their listening guides as well as in our app. And today I have two powerful thoughts about this precious promise we have, especially when we're anxious. Are you all ready to go Christ Fellowship at all campuses? Yeah? Write this down as point number one. Here we go. Here's what we need to know, and that is that God promises that all things will work synergistically for our good. In fact, listen to what God's Word says. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what, church? Good. 
for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now stop right there for a moment. And let me set things up for us because one of the most wonderful and impactful promises to our daily life, to your life and to my daily life, is knowing that whatever is happening in your life right now, the timing of things, the, the, the issues in your life, God is promising that he is going to work them out for your good. You know, sometimes when we look at this promise, we think that it's just the things that we are aware of. Well, you know, it's the things that's ha that I know my, my spouse is doing, my children that teach you at school, uh, things that work. And sometimes we think it's only the things that we are aware of that are working for our best. But notice what it says. It says, not some things, not most things. It says what? All things, right? In fact, circle the word, right, the phrase work together. Because the word work together there in the original Greek text, we always like to remind you here at CF that the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew, then translated into different languages. Well, the word here for work together is where the word that we get synergy from. And so here is what God, the Lord is trying to show us, that everything that takes place in this world, in this universe, in a way that we can never even ever understand or comprehend, God is promising that he is working everything that's happening out for the best of those who are his people. So for example, even that the ice cream flavor that a little boy chooses in the Pacific Northwest, even that selection is working out for your best. That flight delay in Sao Paulo, Brazil, that you have no idea about, somehow, some way, God is using all that for your absolute best. And even the number of steps that a giraffe takes in the middle of the African plains, even the number of steps, God is synergistically working all those things for the good of his children. You may be maybe wondering, well, Omar, what, how do I know if I'm one of his people? Well, write this down as letter A. This promise is for those who love God. Now listen to what the promise states. And we know that for those who what? Who love God. All things are worked together for good. Now, folks, I've taught you before that one of the marks of true, genuine faith is love for the Lord. Why? Because if there is no love for God, then that means there's likely no true, genuine faith. And if there's no true, genuine faith, then that person is not a child of God. And so what we see in Scripture is that true, saving faith is always intertwined with love for God, affection for Christ. In fact, listen to what the Lord said in John chapter 16. He said this. He said, for the Father himself loves you because you have what? Love. Because you have loved me and have what? Believe. Believed that I came from God. Now, folks, notice the strong connection between love for God and faith. Now, remember, what saves us is our faith. We are saved by faith and faith alone. 
But one of the things that reveals whether that faith is truly real is whether or not there is love and affection for God. Make sense? But folks, look at what God's word says for those who don't love God. It says this, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be what? Accursed. Accursed. So you see the importance of love for God? So this promise is not only for those who love God, but also write this down, so letter B. It is for those who are called by God. Now folks, listen to what God's word says again. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are what? Called according to his purpose. The folks circle the word called because what does it mean to be called by God, right? It just sounds so odd, called by God. Well, theologians have agreed there's two types of calling that we see in God's word. One of them is what we call a general calling, and another one is what we call an effectual calling. Now, let me help you understand what a general calling is. A general calling is whenever someone, uh, whether in a small groups of people, a, a, a Bible teacher at an elementary school, uh, a preacher at a church, it doesn't matter. Whenever there is a general call, a general invitation for people to put their faith in Christ, that is what is called a general call. Someone says an invitation, and then everyone, all the, all the ears hear that general call, right? In fact, if you've been here for, for us for some time, you know that at the end of a lot of our services, of our teachings, we like to have a moment where if someone would like to start following the Lord, put their faith in Christ, they have an opportunity to do so. And so at the end of, those, of our services, or our teachings, when we do that type of, of, of presentation, that is what we call a general call, right? Everyone is listening at all campuses and online. But folks, an effectual calling is different. An effectual calling is when God calls a specific person to himself. In other words, it's that moment in a person's life where God intervenes and now he, God, uh, convicts them of sin and begins to draw them closer to him. And folks, the reason it is called an effectual calling is because every time God does an effectual call, it's always effective. People come. See, folks, that is why, for example, someone could be coming to this church for 10 years. And maybe for 10, year, 10 years, their spouse is dragging them to church. And they just come to appease their spouse, and they're sitting here, and they're listening. And every time we make a call, a general call at the end, they think it's foolishness. They're closing their eyes. But they're just trying to get out of here to go about their business. But one day, after 10 years of coming and hearing your call, something is different. Something happens that day that they are convicted of sin. Something is different. They recognize their need for the Lord, their need for a Savior, and they come and they put their faith in Christ. They heard God call their name, and sure enough, they came to know Christ that day. You see? An effectual call. You know, for me, the moment I heard God uttered my name, so to speak, 
was, a, when, I, was when I was about nine years old in a chapel service in First Baptist School of Hialeah. I was wearing my little uniform. I had a little uh, white shirt uh, buttoned down with a short sleeve and a maroon tie. And Pastor Joe Hill was preaching the gospel, and something was different that day. And at that moment, listen carefully, I heard God utter my name, and I put my faith in the Lord. Listen, when was the day that God uttered your name? What was the day, what was the season in your life that God said, come, and you came? You remember that time? You remember that season in life? Listen, that, that was an effectual calling on your life. God, the sovereign God of the universe, uttered your name, and you came. Praise God for that. Amen. So what God is saying here is that for those who love God, who are called to be his, all things in the universe are working out for their best. Now, the question, the, the natural question is this. Well, pastor, what about for those people who don't love God, who are not believers in Christ? Does that promise apply to them? Is, ha is everything happening for their good? And the answer is, is no. In fact, if you think about their life, they're actually heading to an eternity with, without Christ. And so the reality is, for those who are not in Christ, who never come to know Christ as Savior, things are not working out for their absolute best. And, and I say this because I want to caution us of making a mistake in very critical moments. You know, whenever we know someone who's not a believer in Christ, who has a setback in life, an issue in life, you know, the discourage or something takes place. What is easy in that moment is just to kind of quote this verse. Ah, oh, everything, don't worry, man. Everything will work out for you, for the good. Don't worry about it. But can I tell you, listen, instead of giving them, telling them a promise that you don't know whether or not it really applies to them, why don't you take that moment to share the gospel with them? Why don't you help them understand their need for a savior? That what they really need in their life is not to fix this problem. What they need is a savior who loves them. Amen? And so listen, use those opportunities. Listen, not just to quote a, 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 a promise that you think will make them feel better. Listen, use those moments of their brokenness to remind them that there's a God who loves them and that he sent his son to die on a cross for them. And what they really need is forgiveness of sin and to have a personal relationship with God. Amen, church family? Because, folks, this promise is only for his people. And so you may be wondering, well, Omar, this is a nice promise. And listen, I've been a believer for a long time. And, you know, I don't know many Bible verses, but I know this verse, right? I could, I, I could quote this verse. And even though I know this verse in my mind, when a setback happens, something, if I could be honest, I don't believe it in my heart. And the reason I know that I don't believe it in my heart because my heart gets filled with anxiousness and fear the moment that happens. And so Omar, what, what is the logical guarantee from God's word? 
that when, when everything's not going right, that I could believe and trust that things are going to work out for my best because I'm a child of God. Well, write this down as big number two. As in the golden chain is the guarantee of this promise. Now, what do you mean? <laughs> the golden chain is the guarantee of this promise. You know, for those of us who are Hurricanes fans, we're thinking of the, of the turnover chain, right? right? We're, thinking of, we're thinking of that chain, but folks, let me help you understand. The golden chain is actually five theological truths about your salvation. That link, that golden link, so to speak, right, has five different links that are indestructible and those are, again, five theological truths about your redemption. Now, for the last part of this teaching, we're going to get really theological, really dense. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to seem like we're going to veer off from this promise, and we're thinking, where are we going with all this? But I plead with you, stay tapped in. Stay focused, all right? Because if you really focus on what I'm about to, to show you, it will all make sense at the end, and you will walk without profound assurance. Are we all ready? Can we do that? Yeah? Are you all ready? Okay, so, so here it is. Here's the first link of this golden chain. Write this down, letter A. The first thing is that he foreknew you. Now, let's go back to that verse and watch how this chain begins to, to, be, to, to develop. It says, and, for we, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those who mean what? Foreknew. For now circle the word foreknew, because what does it mean for God to foreknow me? What does that mean? Well, what it means is that in eternity past, right, before God created the world, that means that he knew you. He knew everything about you. He knew how you're going to be. He knew how he was going to create you. He knew everything about you. He knew you personally. And listen, he loved you then. You see, many people make the mistake when they think of their salvation to think that, well, my salvation started the moment I put my faith in Christ. Listen, that is not when your salvation started. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, your salvation started in eternity past when God foreknew you. Amen? Amen? And he loved you. And listen, because of his love for you, listen, here's a second link. Write this down as letter B. He then predestined you. Now, folks, listen to how it continues, right? For those whom he foreknew, first link, he also what? predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, pause right there for a moment, and let's look at the, this word predestined, because in the original Greek text, it's actually a compound word. Part of that word uh, means to determine something, and the other prefix is, means beforehand. So, so what this word is saying in Scripture is that it refers to the destiny, uh, to the goal, or to the end of something even before it happens. See, the concept of predestination could be used for anything in redemptive history, but oftentimes in Scripture, it's usually used to refer to the salvation 
of God's people. In other words, in eternity past, he foreknew you and then he predestined you. Now, let me, let me help us understand clearly the difference between these two things because they might seem similar, right? So foreknowledge, listen carefully, foreknowledge is that moment, is, it refers to, right, God's knowledge of you and his love for you. And predestined means is that that moment in time where God formally makes a decision that one day he would save you. So for new means, it's just general knowledge of you and love for you. And then predestined is when that moment in eternity passed, when the Trinity got together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and made a formal decision that even though you were going to sin before him, he was going to save you from your sin. Amen? Amen? Now, folks, when the topic of predestination comes up at church, you know, there's, there's some folks, right, who may not want to talk about this. This is too, I don't understand it. I, I really can't comprehend. And so they just don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to believe that. I, but, but through it, they never experience one of the ways that God shows his, his love for them. In fact, listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And then notice carefully, in what? Love. In what? Love. Yeah, in love, he what? Predestined. Predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Notice, in love, he made a formal decision in eternity past to save you from your sins. And so folks, notice, he knew you, he loved you, he made the decision, and then after you were born, now we are in the present day, there was a point in your life that he did something which is the third link of the golden chain. In fact, write this down as letter C. At one point of your life, he then called you, called you. Now listen to what it says next, right? You'll start seeing the links of the chains build. For those whom he foreknew, first link, he also predestined, second link, and those whom he predestined, he also what? Called. So folks, at one point in your life, God intervened in your life, convicted you of your sin, opened up your eyes to see Christ for who he really was, and he uttered your name and you put your faith in Christ. You see, folks, that is the effectual calling we learned about earlier. Now, the question that some of you may have is this. Well, Omar, how do we know that that calling right there, how do we know that that's not a general calling, but an effectual calling? Because it could be a general calling. How do we know that it's an effectual calling? Well, listen, the clue is in the very next link. In fact, write this down as letter D. Here's a fourth link. And that is that he then justified you. Now, listen to what it says next. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And, though, and those whom he called, he also what? Justified. He also justified. Now, what exactly does it mean to be justified? 
For some of us who are a little older, listen, we think, we think of an old Western called Justified, right? For those of us who are a little younger, who are into pop music, we think of Justin Timberlake's album, Justified, right? Yeah, Nigel has probably heard that album. He's laughing right now, right? But anyway, so, so what, is, what is justified? That, that's just an odd word. Well, here's what it means. Justified means to be declared righteous. Now notice, it does not mean that you are righteous. It means that you are declared righteous by God. And folks, that happens when you put your faith in the Lord. In fact, listen to what God's word says in Galatians chapter 2. It says, and yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. In other words, you are not declared by how good you are. You're not declared righteous by God because of how, what, what a good employee you have been. You're, you're, you're not declared righteous because uh, you did some sort of ritual or tradition when you were an infant. No, no, it says this. We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Which means that when you stand before God at the end of your life, and you are ready to be judged by God for all of your sin, for all of your mistakes, for all of the shame in your life, listen carefully. God is not going to declare you righteous at that moment because of all the good you did because of the traditions or rituals, because of church attendance. Listen, God is going to declare righteous because you stop trusting the things of this world and you put all of your trust and faith in what Jesus Christ did for you with that cross. And folks, here's something that I want to point out to you. Because some of us out there I know are critical thinkers. If this is the golden chain of our salvation, how come the word faith is not in there? Where is faith here? How could it be that in the golden chain of our salvation, nowhere does it say that it is that, uh, 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 refers to our faith? Well, here's why. It's because this calling right here, that calling right there, that was an effectual call. And when God calls a person, it is assumed, it is guaranteed that they will put their faith in Christ. That's why it says those who are called were also justified. Because there is an assumption that what God started from the beginning of time will be accomplished, and you did. You were going to put your faith in Christ. Make sense? Amen. And so, folks, last but not least, here's the fifth link, the final link. Write this down as letter E. And the final link of this great chain is that he then promises to glorify you, glorify you. Now notice what it says in, in the verse as we conclude. It says, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, notice, those whom he predestined, first link. And he also called, second link. And those whom he called, uh, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also what? Glorified. Glorified. See, folks, the word glorified means, if, uh, it refers to that moment in the future, in eternity future, that once this life is over and Christ returns, we're going to get our new glorified bodies. In fact, two weeks ago, if you were not here because you were traveling on vacation, listen, I want to encourage you, 
Go to our website and watch us teaching from two weeks ago where we talked about this amazing reality that will take place when Christ returns and we're going to have glorified bodies that will never die, suffer, or feel pain, and we will spend eternity with Christ. And so the promise of it, of the, the promise is that one day he promises that he will glorify you and that you will spend eternity with him. Now, folks, we've learned a lot of theology, right? We've learned a lot of theology. And let me tell you something. When we learn theology, it's never for our head to get puffed up, but it's always to give us comfort and security. Amen? Amen. That what you should feel once you understand God's word deeper is you feel more secure and you, under, and you feel comfort. And so, folks, here's what I'm going to help you kind of understand how this whole thing works. Why would God, after giving us that promise that all things will work together for your absolute best, why would God then go on a tangent, right, seemingly, and go through the five things of our salvation, the golden chain of our salvation? Well, here's why. It's because it does not make sense that after all God has done for you, that at this juncture in your life, you're living in this little juncture in your life, right? That when you have a setback, when there's an issue that takes place in your life, that God will not work it out for your best. Amen. Think about it. It doesn't make sense that he foreknew you, that he predestined you, that he that one day called you, that he one day he justified you. He promises for that one little issue in your life, that one thing that happened in your life, that God won't work it out for your best. It doesn't make sense, right? Because what God starts from eternity past, his good, loving, sovereign will for you will be accomplished all the way to eternity future. Do you believe that, church family? And so, church, listen, whatever you're going through right now, remind yourself, my future is secure. If my story began in eternity past and he has confirmed the future, this will work out for my absolute best. Amen? But let me end with this. You know, the reason that Heat fans love to watch the highlight of the Heat game is this, is this. It's because we love to see how everything in that game did work out for the best of the Heat, right? We love to watch highlights. Nobody watched highlights of games that we lost, right? We love to watch highlights of the games that we won, right? And you know what? I have a feeling that once we end this life and we are glorified, and we see the Lord face to face for the very first time. And we get to see the wonders of heaven. And we are overwhelmed with the beauty and the majesty of the presence of God. I have a feeling at one point the Lord is going to grab each and every one of us. And look down the line and say, you see my son, my daughter? You see how everything did work out for your absolute best? And one of the biggest blessings of our glorification is going to be able to truly now see how everything did work out for your absolute best. Amen. What a glorious day that will be. Amen. Amen. Let's give a shout of praise for God for that. But maybe you're here today and the reality is that you know you're not a believer in Christ yet. You're here, and you may not really know much about anything, but there's something in you that says, you know what? I need to get right with God. 
I don't want to live a life by myself. I need the Lord. I'm tired of living life by myself. I need God in my life. I need to have a personal relationship with this God who loves me. You probably wonder, well, Omar, how do you do that? How do you start a personal relationship with the Lord? What is in the John 3.16, arguably the most famous verse in the Bible says this, For God so loved the world. Listen, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son to die on a cross for your sins, for my sins. For everything you've done that you're so ashamed of, Christ died for those, paid for those sins so you don't have to. So that, would, so that whoever would, what? Believe. Believe in his name shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, all it takes is not about being a good person. It's not about rituals. It's about the moment in your life when you heal the call of God. And you come and you put your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. The question is, will you put your trust in him today? Let's bow our head for prayer. Father, we, those of us here today, Lord, who are your children already, who already know you, Lord, we marvel at this promise. And we thank you, Lord, that as we go through setbacks in life, you're going to work it out, Lord. And we trust in you. If my story was started, Lord, even before the foundation of the earth, and you promise for all eternity future, Lord, to glorify me and be in your presence, how can this issue in my life right now be that one thing that breaks this chain, that, break is unchain that chain is unbreakable? Thank you, Lord, for this. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to some of us here today who you're ready. You're ready to take, to, to take that step and Put your trust in the Lord. Start a relationship with God. Start your journey with God. And so if that's you, listen, in a few moments, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. But before that, I want to ask you to do something, not to embarrass you, not to make you stand up, not to call you to a friend, nothing like that. In a few moments, I'm going to, if that's you, if you feel that's where you're at, with no one looking around, with all this close, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Because it's a form of you saying, you know what, yes, this is happening in my heart. And sometimes when you show it physically, there's something that confirms that desire in your heart. You know, in our first service, hands went all up and people came to know Christ. I'm sure that there's in this service as well. And so if that's you, listen, with no one looking around, with all eyes closed, it's a private moment. If you think, you know more, you know what, pray for me. Omar, I'm ready. You know what, I'm ready to, to, to start this, this journey with the Lord. I want to put my faith in him today. If that's you, slip up your hand with no one looking around, all eyes closed. I see you over there, sir. I see you as well, ma'am. Anybody else? I see you as well, sir. Anybody else at all campuses? Anybody else? He says, Omar, just pray for me at all campuses. Amen. I see you as well. Anybody else? He says, Omar, pray for me. Listen, with all heads bowed, you can lower down your hand with all, at all campuses. If you are ready to, to take that step, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I always remind you, listen, you don't pray to me. You pray, I'm only a man, I cannot save you. You pray to the God who loves you and gave his son for you. So pray this with me. Lord, today I realize that I've been alone all my life. And I'm tired of it. I need you in my life. So today, oh Lord, I come and I confess all of my sin before you. 
I ask you for forgiveness of my sin. And today, I transfer my trust from the things of this world to what you did for me at that cross. Save me today, Lord. Give me that everlasting life you promise. And for the rest of my life, Lord, help me, O oh Lord, to know that through the ups and the downs of life, even in the setbacks of life, I know you're with me and that you're going to work it out for my good. Thank you, Lord. I love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hey, can we encourage those of us who came to know Christ? Thank glory to God at all campuses. Listen, if that was you, I want to encourage you. If you're watching online, go to cfmiami.org slash connect. Fill out that form, and there you can, uh, one of our pastors will follow up with you. Or if you're at one of our campuses, all right, and you came to know Christ, you know, you know you did. On your way out, listen, there's a next step booth at each of our campuses. It's very clear. Go there. Listen, our teams will be able to connect with you, put a brand new Bible in your hand. But here's why that is important. It's because it gives us a chance in the next several days and weeks just to follow up with you as pastors and help you take steps in your walk with Christ. Small step, huge results, all right? So make sure you do that. Well, I'm going to call all campus pastors to the front. Christ Fellowship, be back next week as we continue our study through Romans chapter 8. Love you all.